Welcome to episode one of the Summerhill podcast, where we're connecting the school community. This is the place to discover more about the school and what it's all about. Now, this is already off to a great start because in this episode, I'm talking to Duncan Sinclair, headmaster of Summerhill, and Alex Holmes, deputy head academic. We're talking about the pre-senior baccalaureate, or PSB, and if you're wondering what that is, then you're absolutely at the right place. I asked both Alex and Duncan to explain what it is, why it's important for the children in school today, and why it's so important for where they're going in the future. Now, this is a lovely episode, and I know you're going to love it. So come with me now as we step into Summerhill and learn all about the pre-senior baccalaureate and other things in a brief conversation with Alex Holmes and Duncan Sinclair. Duncan, Alex, thank you both for being here on this episode of the podcast. How are you both today? Thanks for having us, Simon. Um, really good. One and a half weeks to go till the end of term. So it's all a bit manic, but um, but delighted to be speaking to you. Great. Well, it's great to have you here. Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, very much the same. So um, yeah, we've got seven and a half days of seven and a half crazy days to go, actually, with speech days and uh, sports days and um, all sorts of prizes prizes to be awarded. And, you know, we've got music concert on Wednesday as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a full on Seven and a half days to go. Busy time of year, but a lovely time of year, as I'm sure all times of year uh, are. Duncan, before we kick off this episode and, and talk about what we're actually going to be talking about, I'm just wondering, for the sake of people who are listening to this who might not know a great deal about Summerhill, just explain to us just very briefly how the school actually looks, what the breakdown is. Absolutely, no problem. So so Summerhill itself was actually a private residence uh, stretching back into the, the 1600s. Um, it's over 400 years old, but it only became a school in 1990 um, when a, a small boys prep school bought the land, moved the boys up here. And um, it was difficult times at first, but not long after that, they were joined by a girls school um, from Tunbridge Wells. And the two head teachers at the time decided that um, instead of combining to be a co-educational setup, they would keep the boys and girls separate um, and make the best of single sex education. In time, I came to know it myself, being at a local rival prep school, um, and felt that um, it was the perfect place to really maximise what we would consider the best of co-educational opportunity with the boys and girls sharing the site, um, but also exploring how the boys and girls, particularly at a certain age as they approach have physical change, etc., um, and attitude to learning changes, uh, how we can maximise single-sex uh, teaching too. So yes, it's a, it's a very unique hybrid model of a school, uh, but one which we certainly enjoy uh, and one which um, which which means we're very popular with our parent body in the local community. And some prep schools go up to age 11, some prep schools go up to age 13. Uh, wh- why is that difference? So essentially, it depends largely on, on what, um, what stage the, the senior schools allow pupils to enter into their establishments. As you, as you can see locally and nationally, many of the senior schools will start uh, in the state sector at year seven, so year six children moving, moving schools at that time. Traditionally, uh, some independent schools, many independent schools, um, historically have always taken children from year eight into year nine. Um, so what we do at Summerhill is we accommodate particularly those boys uh, who are looking for year nine places where it is more common for boys' secondary education independently to start in year nine. But we also celebrate and and, and identify with children's achievements in year six who then want to start their senior school journey at that stage. And then typically, what kind of schools or, or, or where do the children go after they leave Summerhill? Gosh, it's a brilliant question, but it's it's almost too extensive to answer. So, so we do feed all the local grammar schools. Very proud of our record in doing that. 
Um, but in any given year, I would say that we probably feed anything upwards of 15 or 20 independent schools, both locally and nationally, uh, the biggest of which being Tunbridge School, Seven Oaks School, Caterham, to mention just a few. Um, but we uh, we also aim to know and understand what those schools are like so that children that are in our care um, can uh, can be identified and, and we, we discuss with parents uh, what schools might suit them. And it could be that it's a, a boys-only secondary school, it could be co-ed, it could be boarding, it could be day, uh, it could have a sports focus or a drama and music. It, it really is a joy to try and help parents make the right decision and find the right secondary school for them when they leave our care. I love that because it strikes me then that it's very much down to what's right for the child as opposed to, you know, 80% of the children from this school go on to this particular senior school. Quite right, yeah. And and in some respects, th- there are schools that do enjoy specific and special relationships with senior schools. We aren't that. We like to be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none in terms of o- recognising all of our children as individual and being able to um, to accommodate what what they need as individuals rather than what we stand for as a school. Okay, so on this episode then, we're talking about the pre-senior baccalaureate. Uh, I'd love to know, and I'm sure people listening to this would also love to know, what that actually is. Well, it's, it's great that you've, you've asked us a little bit about Summerhill in the build-up to that, and particularly where the children go on to secondary school, because historically uh, there was, and many of the listeners will probably identify with the, the term common entrance, um, which was a function of of testing children at prep school age to see what their abilities were and then choosing secondary schools based on that ability level. It won't escape you that um, over the, the, the last 20 years or so, uh, secondary schools have actually departed from the script and actually are trying to um, make sure that they get the children that would suit their environment. Um, and, and that isn't just resting solely on one set of exams and that they more broadly want to know and understand what the children are like. And and so with the, 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 the collapse, if you like, of, of of the number of schools using the common entrance, it, it clearly didn't um, remain common. And because they were doing the entrance requirements in different ways, it was no longer about entrance either. So um, if, effectively, about 10 or 12 years ago, there was a group of four or five schools, head teachers that came together to say, you know, in the wake of, of the collapse of common entrance, what are we actually going to do in terms of educating these children and maximising that that educational opportunity rather than squeezing a, a textbook into their brain for them to regurgitate in an exam? Um, can we do something a little bit more constructive? And in due course, I know Alex will probably mention the word metacognition. I won't go into too much detail now. But um, essentially, what what we do is extrapolate the idea that learning is only about knowledge um, and the retention of knowledge. And actually, we build into it aspects of skills-based learning and and, and making skills explicit in the learning for the children so that they can identify not only the knowledge that they have, but also the skills and how to use them and manipulate their, their knowledge in the world around them. And it also includes, obviously, character-based learning too. So uh, it, it, it's a diversification of that learning experience, which we celebrate and enjoy under the banner of the PSB, the Pre-Senior Baccalaureate. Well, I'm glad you mentioned about metacognition and, and Alex, because in a moment, I'm dying to find out a little bit more about that. But uh, you mentioned regarding the common entrance, you, you mentioned the word collapse there twice. I mean, how many schools are still using common entrance then? We're not aware of any secondary schools now. The last of the, 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 the big public schools in the UK probably did away with the requirement of prep schools to, to conform to common entrance uh, four or five years ago. So we're not aware of any feeder schools that we send children to that stipulate as a requirement that children have had to have sat uh, the, the nine different subjects in the common entrance suite. 
No, it really is a really is a change then, isn't it? Okay, Alex, Duncan's just warmed you up there by mentioning metacognition. Uh, What on earth is metacognition and why is it an important thing for us to be talking about today? Essentially, metacognition is um, learning how to learn. So it's not just putting loads of facts in your brain, but it's um, it's learning how to how to interpret those facts and how to synthesize, synthesize those facts, you know, for whatever, whatever you need them for, basically. There's a really great study that was done by um, Durham University, and it was basically looking at impact on people learning against cost to the taxpayer. Um, and it, it came up with all sorts of different factors that um, associate to how pupils learn. Um, and right at the top of the list, like really low on cost, but massive impact to people learning, uh, feedback was right at the top of it. Metacognition was right up there. Peer tutoring, um, collaboration. These were all things that were right at the top of the list. And Duncan's talked a little bit about common entrance. I taught common entrance for a long, long time. I'm a maths teacher and I taught common entrance. We were always very proud of our lots of A's and A stars that we got for years and years. And we sort of gave ourselves a pat on the back as the maths department being rather pleased with ourselves. But um, how well were we really preparing those children for senior school I don't know. It felt like there wasn't. We didn't have the balance quite right. Like it was a very content-rich curriculum, but it, it wasn't really teaching them skills that they would need skills skills for life, but skills that they would need to be successful at secondary school. When Duncan arrived about six years ago, we needed something. We needed to offer some sort of program to our year sevens and eights, and we looked at you know using coming up with our own sort of program, like the Summerhill Certificate or something like that. And then um, we we saw the idea of the PSB. And we had a look at the PSB and we liked the fact that it was it was a group of schools that w- were supporting each other from all over the school, all over the country. And the idea was it's, it's you know, it's it's really grown and developed. I mean, in a, in a really great way, actually. But one of the best things about it is you can send your heads of department off to go and meet other heads of department and they can share and collaborate and um, build up lots of I- lots of ideas that they can then you know bring back to bring back to their respective schools. One of the first courses I went on one of the first presentations that I watched about the PSB the guy stood up and he talked about something called the Pearson report that I'd never heard of before and um, the, so the Pearson report was basically set up by the government um, and they asked lots of prominent leaders in business and higher education to get to get together and decide whether or not the education system was really fit for purpose whether it was um it was preparing young people for the workplace that they needed to go onto, and actually, was it preparing the country f- um, for the children that the country needed? You know, for it to grow and develop. Uh, and essentially, that report came back and said that, um, in a nutshell, said that it was it needed to do more. And the the big things that came out of it, it were that um, it's it's not just what is learned, but learning how to learn. So if I could encapsulate the PSB into one phrase. Um, and explain it to somebody. That's that's what I'd say it is. It's not just a learning about. It's 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 not just what is learned, but it's learning how to learn. So it's not like we get rid of all the content, but we we are very much balancing those skills alongside each other. So a, a massive part of the PSB is um, from from children when they're really from re- when they're really young in year three, you know, building each year as they go up to year eight. It's teaching them how to get the best out of themselves like attitudes to learning, but certain learning behaviors that they can they can adopt that will bring the best out of themselves and sort of moving away from that sort of fixed mindset to growth mindset that you can you can actually that you're you're far more capable than you think you are. And in my experience, you know, children are pretty good at pigeonholing themselves and going, oh, you know, 
Yeah, he, he's the best one. He's the best mathematician. I can never be him. I can never achieve that. You know, they're very, very quick at saying who are the best sportsmen, who are the best, who are the best at science, who are the best at French, all of this sort of stuff. But actually, we've worked really, really hard to try and dispel that and say it's, it's about being the best that you can be. And the PSB, that's really at the centre of the PSB. Alex, you mentioned there about learning behaviour and you mentioned about learning how to learn. Uh, so, so actually, how does, this, how does this look within school life, the, the PSB curriculum? You know, what, what subjects are included? And is this something which is all timetabled or is it built into everything else that's taught in school? Yeah, so it's a really good question. So what we used to get with the common entrances, the children would do their common entrance exams normally the week after the summer term, half term, they'd do their exams, they'd wake a week, a week, and then these results would come back on a piece of paper. And they would examine traditionally in the, this, the eight exams would be English, maths, science, French, Latin, the humanities subjects, and that was it. And so they would sort of get their piece of paper with their, their A's and B grades on it or a percentage, uh, but nothing about sport, nothing about art, nothing about engineering. So it was, it was a very, quite a, a narrow sort of snapshot of their performance. And so we wanted to celebrate everything that they do. So we, they have 14 subjects that they cover here. So we wanted to be able to represent those 14 subjects and assess them on those 14 subjects. So to bring real breadth to the, the curriculum and make the boys and girls realise that every subject, every subject was as important as the other. Um, it's not just English, math, science that, you know, they're the, considered the core subjects, but are they more important than engineering? Are they more important than music or art? Well, well no, not if your your particular strength is art or music. So so we wanted to be able to celebrate that more. So that, that was really one of the great things about the PSB. So the PSB doesn't come with a curriculum. That's That's the key thing. What you get is you get a skills grid and it focuses on six core skills. So the communication, lead, uh, independence, collaboration, leadership, thinking and learning, reviewing and improving. So those last two, thinking and learning, reviewing, improving, that's very much metacognition. And if I if I go back to that Durham University study with metacognition being right at the very top, low cost, massive impact pupil learning, but also there's collaborations. When done well, and, and it's very important to say that, you know, collaboration isn't just getting pupils in a room just talking to each other and sharing each other's ideas. But if if collaboration is done really, really well, it can be a you know, hugely powerful tool. Simon, if I can jump in there. Um, interestingly enough, when, when, when parents ask me that same question, what does it actually look like in the school? Um, one of the examples I use is, is I, I try and explain how it actually changes the way in which teachers teach. Um, and instead of that sort of chalk and talk mentality where um, teacher will stand at the front you know, tell you everything they know and then ask you to write your three-page essay. The PSB offers a very flipped thinking, flipped classroom in terms of how the children access the information. The The example that I use is a complaint that I had from a parent who um, wrote in and said, you know, I, I'm concerned that there's um, there's uh, you know an element of Facebook in my year eight, 13-year-old's classroom. And I said, goodness me, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And um, the parent said, no, apparently they're using Facebook in history. So I went to the history teacher and I said, you know, there's been an allegation that there's been some Facebook work in history. And she went, oh, yeah, 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 it's fantastic. Come and have a look. So I panicked a little bit thinking, well, is this appropriate? And went into the history class and and was was accosted by a boy who wanted to show me his book. And they'd been learning about Henry VIII uh, and his wives. Um, but instead of writing that three-page essay and, you know, establishing all the detail from the textbook, what the children were doing is using a variety of sources to gain their insights into Henry VIII and his wives, 
But instead of writing that essay, they were putting together Henry VIII's Facebook profile. And so you can imagine the extent of the learning that was going on around what he was posting, who he was friends with, where he was traveling to. Um, and as a result, they were, I guess, functioning in a in a in a in a really creative um, area of of their imaginations but but also acquiring all the knowledge that you would expect children to have to have if they were to face an exam in the future or have to produce some sort of essay uh, the knowledge was there and it was discovery led i love that I, I think it's a really creative way to learn and and a great way to retain that information and taking that forward is it's clearly going to change the world in the future so tell me then a bit about this kind of skills based learning uh, in the curriculum and how that aligns with the demands of the modern job market in what well, I was going to say in 2023 but maybe 2033 or something like that. So what we do is that we have those six core skills and we get our heads of department to basically build those skills into their schemes of work so we already have really robust content rich skill um, curriculums that you know are really fit for purpose really prepare the children for their onward journeys and basically, it's us trying to weave those skills throughout our curriculum as best we can. Now, some subjects will lend themselves um, more readily to, to some of the skills. So it's not like they have to try and squeeze all of these skills into every single subject. But, for, you know, for example, leadership is a, tr is a tricky one to get in there, actually. But sports, games, PE, there is a brilliant way to sort of you develop your leadership skills. Collaboration can be all the way through. Um, so can communication. If you are, as Duncan said, a bit more sort of creative about the way you you are you're you're planning and preparing your lessons, and it does require. I wouldn't say it's more work for the teachers, but it, it does require you to have a to just just to flip your what your perception is of what teaching is, what you were taught, and how you were taught to teach. So, how does it prepare our children for the for the modern world? Well. Every single parent, and Duncan and I do a lot of future schools meeting, every single set of parents we talk to, you know, who are working in the current marketplace are telling us that these are the, these are the core skills they want, that there are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of children coming out of A-levels with out of secondary school with, you know, A's and A-stars. And it's very, very difficult to discern from one person, you know, one candidate from another. And the, what they are often looking for are, are candidates who do have the ability to work with others that can show independence, can can show leadership and uh, have brilliant communication skills as well. So the, the feedback we're getting from our parent body, this is this is exactly what they want to see in the, in, the, in a modern school environment. Mm, it's great to be getting that feedback and to be uh, sort of creating that education that's, that's, that's surrounding that as well. So what sort of examples do you have of any skills-based learning in action then in that case? So do you mean like specific examples of children who've been particularly successful? Yes, exactly that. Yeah, so I can give you an example. There are quite a few really. Um, we do something called the PSPQ, which is the Pre-Senior Project Qualification. It's, it very follows a, a very similar format to the EPQ that a lot of senior schools do um, as like sort of as like an extra A level, I suppose. But we do sort of a junior version of it. And the way we run it, and PSB schools all do it slightly differently. But the way we do it is that we um, they they choose an inquiry question, and it's normally linked to the humanities subjects, so history, geography, and PRE. So we give them a list of fifteen inquiry questions, and they for half a term they are basically um, putting together a piece of research, and they have to build. Ultimately, have to build a 1,500-word essay, but they also have to present to their PSB tutor groups and their PSB tutors and their former teachers as well and their subject teachers. Uh, and, and they have to do a Q&A at the end of it as well. And for me, so we had one of our the PSB consultants actually happened to be here, a lady called Marion Drew, and she was here 
um, doing a workshop with our year three and four teachers. And um, I said, do you want to go up and watch some of the PSBQ presentations, which, which is the end of this big project process? And so she's, she's you know, been around and seen a lot of these different presentations and she sat there and listened. And at the end of it, she was like completely blown away. And she said, I, you know, these, these are 13 year old boys. She said, I, you know, I work with 16, 17 year olds who can't, who can't, don't have those sorts of communication skills, don't have that ability to present at that level. Um, and she said the Q&A afterwards, you could see the inquiry-based learning, the intrinsic motivation that had driven all of their learning. They just retained all, the, all this information and they were just able to just, these random questions that were being fired at by their, their peer group, but also their teachers um, was pretty impressive. And it was a couple of years ago, I had a boy, can I say his name? Probably not, can I? Anyway, then we had a boy from a couple of years ago. And um, so I said to him, how, how do you feel about this style of learning compared to like the more traditional sort of teacher standing at the front telling you t telling you what to learn and then giving you some work to do and he said well you know I, I don't want to I don't want to offend my teachers I really enjoy my lessons but um and I do enjoy the you know the history lessons that I have he said but I've realized that this sticks it sticks more because I'm I'm far more motivated and I'm far more driven to learn it because he's like each question I have, I answer it, and then it it fires me into another question, and another question, another question. It's trying, my it's just driving my learning on the whole time. And Duncan and I were sat there, and we were just like, oh hallelujah, because that was that's what you're basically, that's what you want, that's what you want your, the children to understand that actually that type of inquiry led learning, um, where they're you know very much driving it themselves with a, quite a lot of guidance in the background, but it's not the teacher instructing them, you know, like you and I would have done when we were at school being told what to do. So yeah, that, that was the one I would sort of say. That was a real sort of eureka moment, I'd say. I mean, it, it does strike me that this is all very, very different to, I mean, you know, you, you just referenced the education that, that, that you or I had. I imagine the people listening to this right now, they would have had a very different education to the kind of education that you're talking about now. I'm just keeping an eye on time here. If people have got follow-up questions, they want to know more about this, how could they find out from either of you or anybody else how it actually works in school? Well, I mean, through through various methods, you know, obviously we're uh, we're open to talk to anyone here at Summerhill. Um, just give the school office a call and we can return a call. But alternatively, there is a PSB, uh, it's called psback.org uh, is, is, is the website for the PSB if you wanted to read up a little bit more, see examples of the... Um, of the skills-based matrix, really, and 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 the fact that that skills-based matrix is is at the heart of it is is quite a nice um, start of a tent to just have a look at and understand how the children are using that matrix themselves, uh, not only to establish what they're learning in that history lesson, but what skills they are developing and 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 making better all the time. Um, the, the the nub of it, as Alex says, is is really making making the implicit explicit. Uh, and that is the fact that there is skills-based learning that goes on in classrooms widely, um, but often the attention is not drawn to it uh, so the children know how they're developing it and how they're making themselves better people at engaging with those skills. Um, but yes, the, the website or a call to Summerhill, no problem at all. That's really good. Duncan, thank you very much for that. Um, and both of you, it's been great talking to you uh, today. So Alex, thank you for your time being here, first of all. Yeah, thank you very much. It's uh, it's It's been lovely to be able to sort of just talk about it, really. And Duncan, I appreciate you being here as well. So thank you for all your time as well. Thanks, Simon. Really enjoyed chatting to you. So that was Alex Holmes and Duncan Sinclair talking all about the pre-senior baccalaureate. Don't forget, you can happily get in touch with them about this if you have any questions following anything you've heard today. A big thank you to Duncan and Alex for being with us today. 
Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.